Good morning. I'm Earl Stewart. I welcome you to Earl Stewart on Cars, a live talk show all about how to buy, lease, maintain, or repair your car without being ripped off by a car dealer. With me in the studio is Nancy Stewart, my wife, co-host, and a strong consumer advocate, especially for our female listeners. We also have Rick Kearney, an expert on how to keep your car running right. I dare you to ask a question that Rick can't answer about the mechanics or electronics of your car. Also with us is my son, Stu Stewart, our LinkedIn side space through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope. Stu is also the Spymaster Director of our Mystery Shopping Report. He dispatches our secret shopper weekly to an unsuspecting South Florida dealership. And now, on with the show. Hi, folks. Boy, we're here again, our uh, second time, I guess, in our new studio. And boy, it's very different in here. When you're doing the same place for 15 years and suddenly you're in a new place, uh, so excuse me if I act a little funny or knock something over or don't know what to say, but we're trying. Uh, I'd like to say that um, a lot of people don't know about the show. For you newbies, let me just say that this is a very different show, something you've never heard before. Uh, stay tuned. If you were looking for some goldie oldie music, stay tuned anyway, uh, because I think you'll find this interesting. Uh, we are a very candid, tell-it-like-it-is talk show, live talk, about how not to get ripped off by a car dealer. Now, I, I did one introduction, but I, I want you to know that uh, if you'll just listen, this, if nothing else, to the Mystery Shopping Report, and that's it toward the end of the show, our Mystery Shopping Report is absolutely unique on the air. Whether you talk about online or television or radio, you'll never hear anything like this. We actually visit uh, car dealerships every week. We go into a different car dealership. I'll give you a little hint. We went into CarMax, which is the largest used car retailer in this area. Uh, they're second, I think, to uh, car, you know, CarMax, uh, offleaseonly.com I'm talking about. CarMax is the largest, and offleaseonly.com is the second largest in this area. So uh, it was an exciting report. We named names of the salespeople, the sales managers, um, and uh, we've been doing this, as I say, for 15 years without being sued. Came close a few times, but we have never had anybody sue us for telling the truth. And, of course, the law protects me and Earl Stewart on cars. If we tell the truth, we can say anything we want to. And we do that on the air. It's very exciting. It's candid and it's instructive. So if for no other reason, please stay tuned for our mystery shopping report. Uh, as I say, we're in a new studio we're all a little bit uh, trying to get used to things, like when the calls come in, where do we see them? We get texts. Uh, we're online. So we have Facebook. Uh, we have YouTube. We have Twitter. Uh, we have Periscope. A lot of you folks out there are streaming us live. Uh, my son, Stu, is taking note of that. And Rick Kearney is online also to watch the YouTube so watch us live. You can go to Earl Stewart on uh, Facebook.com forward slash Earl on Cars. Facebook.com forward slash Earl on Cars. You can do the same thing with YouTube. You can do the same thing with Periscope and Twitter. And it's kind of cool to look inside and see what we look like. Uh, I'm particularly handsome. You really ought to take a look at me. Uh, the rest of them, I don't know. Well, Nancy's pretty, okay. too. We yeah. work on the, on the exactly. lighting in here. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> also... Uh, I want to introduce uh, in person. Uh, we'll go around. I'll, I'll, I'll start to the left, ladies first. Nancy Stewart, you know, she's my co host, and uh, you know that she's on the air. Uh, she's a particularly strong advocate for the ladies, and uh, she is the reason we have almost 50 50 
uh, lady callers. And Nancy, tell the audience out there what's in it for those ladies out there if they call the show. Uh, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. Ladies, uh, let's support each other. Let's build this platform together. I have $50 for the first two new lady callers. So give us a call at 877-960-9960. And uh, for the rest of you, you can text us at 772-497-6530. You heard it right. Unashamedly, we're, we're bribing, we're begging. We love the female callers. $50 cash, no conditions, no strings. If you haven't called the show before and you're a female, we'd love to hear from you. Why? Because in the past... We had to, uh, dominated by male callers and cars and men. And, macho. Yeah, macho thing. You know, the old hashtag me too thing is starting to really build a groundswell of interest. And you ladies out there deserve to take half of everything. And uh, you, uh, you're, we want you to be 50% of the callers on Ab the show. Absolutely. Uh, Tina, we know that you're on the line and we'll be right with you. Speaking of female callers, she's one of the best. Uh, let me go to Stu Stewart, my son. Uh, he is uh, a partner in the business with me. In full transparency, I am a car dealer. I've been a car dealer since 1968. And this is not an infomercial. I want you to know that. But Stu knows a whole lot about the car business. And uh, being a younger guy than I am, he is uh, also very familiar with cyberspace and Twitter and YouTube and Facebook and all that sort of thing. So, Stu, uh, what are you doing? Well, I'm answering all the texts, I'm checking all our live video streams, making sure that we're communicating on multiple channels worldwide, and making sure that you know what people are asking you. Very good. And he's very knowledgeable on selling and leasing and buying of cars. No, and, and we don't know a whole lot, Stu and I, about the repair and maintenance of cars, but we got a guy in the audience, in the audience, in the audience we do have guys, but in the studio, we have Rick Kearney. Rick, been with me for... 25 years? Yes, sir. And uh, tell us about your expertise. Uh, 25 years of working on Toyotas almost exclusively, Toyota and Lexus. And yet I, I got a good general knowledge of pretty much all the cars. You know, most of the systems are pretty much the same when you get right down to the nuts and bolts. Well, you work more on Toyotas, obviously, because we're a Toyota dealership, but you work on a lot of cars. I mean, anybody, when, when a car comes in, a customer comes in with a car, uh, you're going to work on it unless it's a warranty work on a, another model. Yep. But, uh, how do you stay on top of technology? Now, that's the hardest part, and that is basically spending every minute I can reading up on all the new tech on the cars, figuring out all the new systems, it seems like it used to be everyone was concerned about whether or not the air was cold and their brakes would work, and now everybody wants to know how well will my cell phone integrate with my car. So it's uh, it's a new challenge, a new world. Yeah, it's uh, technology actually has reached a point with car ownership that it's become a challenge. The manufacturers are worried, and the owners are even more worried, car drivers, because the technology is so complex now that there's some talk about it affecting the safety of driving. Uh, I have Apple CarPlay in my car, and Nancy gets nervous when I drive because I'm looking at my little screen there and all those icons, and, and you got a little uh, mouse kind of a thing going, and it can distract you from the road. You talk about texting being distracting. Uh, a lot of the technology in itself counterintuitively can be uh, distracting. Well, I think we've uh, introduced ourselves, and yes. I think we need to talk to our first female caller. Yes, let me remind the uh, listeners that you can reach us at 
972-497-9960 and you can text us at 772-497-6530. Now on with the show. Our most popular female caller. Boy, I'll tell you, she has been a huge part of building this platform here at Earl on Cars. Good morning, Tina. You out there, Tina? Yes. Hey. Oh, good. <laughs> Hi, how are you guys doing? How are you guys doing this morning? We're good, but we're stressed. We're not. We're not yeah, sure if everything's going to work. But right. We're we're here. <laughs> oh, it sounds like y'all are doing just fine. Um, uh, what I, what did I want to bring up today? I sent you a text message regarding an affordability for, formula for people to buy cars. People, when whenever most people look to buy a vehicle, they forget about the price and they're like, "Oh, I really want that." But then when you crunch the numbers, reality kind of hits you in the face. So I think rather than looking for a particular car that you might want, it's best to really crunch the numbers and see if it can work for you or not. And I was wondering what you thought about that affordability formula that I sent you. I think it's, um, I think it's very important, and you're absolutely right. Most people, Tina, um, rely on emotion too much when buying a car. Uh, fortunately for us car dealers, uh, emotion causes people to buy cars but it's really not prudent um, you can allow emotion to guide you toward a general type of car but uh, affordability and uh, reliability and safety uh, how can you ignore that uh, you, you there's so much data available to us today and we should take advantage of it online uh, Google you know that's the other half of my brain today uh, consumer reports is one of the most valuable tools in fact, Consumer Reports in and of itself is probably the single most valuable tool. Uh, in a few minutes, uh, maybe a half hour, 45 minutes, you can decide which vehicle is the safest, the most reliable, the most economical, affordable, and uh, that's the way you ought to go. If you love a car, I, here's a good example. A Jeep is an extremely popular vehicle. Um, people come to me and say, I want to buy a Jeep, I want to buy a Cherokee, I want to buy a Wrangler. And we sell them on our used car lot. But I have to be honest with you, there are a lot of vehicles out there that are more reliable, that are safer, uh, lower maintenance costs, and Consumer Reports uh, gives you all that information. Uh, I have to be, I have to say this, sometimes people normally buy a car and they know that something is better in a way of safety, reliability, maintenance, but they buy on emotions. Very difficult for us to overcome our, one of our basic driving forces, which is uh, emotion and caring and you know things that look pretty to us and exciting. Uh, you know, sometimes that even affects people getting married, but uh, sometimes we just can't control <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> yeah, well, I dodged a bullet in that regard a few years ago, but that's a whole other show. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I like the I like the order I like the order that you listed everything: safety, reliability, and maintenance. And honestly, when it comes to cost, I think if you have to spend a little bit more to get a safer vehicle, it's worth it because it may mean your life someday. Sure, and uh, and you're, you're you're right. Safety number one because. You know, if you can afford it, I know people that drive cars and they know they consume too much gas. They know they cost a lot in maintenance, but they can afford it. You know, if you, you know that's great. They get a lot of money, they can afford it. But one thing they can't afford to lose is their life. And I know they want to protect their family. They don't want to be injured, but don't buy a car that you know that's not safe. You know, one of the big things we talk about on the show are 
uh, dangerous recalls and cars that are being sold every day. Uh, safety, our mystery shopping report today addresses that issue. But please, you know, I don't care how much money you have uh, or how exciting and sexy that car is. Be sure it's not dangerous. At least be sure it doesn't have a dangerous recall that cannot be fixed. Cars are being sold today with dangerous recalls that are unfixable. You're being foolish and you're being selfish and thoughtless if you buy that car. If anybody rides in that car with you, friend or family, uh, you should definitely not do that. Um, which, say safety, that brings to mind an issue that I just went through recently. Um, I got the recall notice, and Jermaine Toyota over at Naples, they were really good to me, and they got my side curtain airbags all fixed up. How important, Rick, how important are those side curtain airbags? Well, they're, uh, you know, the airbags today, I don't know how many lives. I'd like to see an estimate of that. Uh, I can't believe that uh, I drove cars for so many years without airbags. And we have a collision repair shop at our dealership. And Alan Napier uh, was on the show last Saturday when Stu was on vacation. And uh, if you want to get an idea of how many lives those side airbags save, just talk to um, Alan or any uh, body shop manager, they see the cars that come in and the conversation that every day is, I can't believe no one was hurt. I can't believe that no one was injured in that accident. Wow. We see accidents that uh, 35, 40 years ago would have been absolutely fatal. And the cars today are amazingly safe and those airbags will save lives. They do every day. Yeah, uh, I was just, I mean, the, the side curtain airbag thing that's been around for what, like maybe less than 10 years? That's a fairly new safety feature. Yeah, the side airbags, do you remember, Rick, uh, maybe 15 years? I'm going to say closer to 15 years. Yeah, they came out and they were like, okay. excess. you didn't have to have them, but they would be in certain models, and then they gra gradually they, they became uh, prevalent, and they're in all models now. Well, as a matter of fact, some of the newer, newest cars coming out right now can have as much as 12 to 15 airbags. Yeah, they're putting airbags on. There's wow. even talk about putting them on the roof of the car, uh, and I believe there's some models that actually have them in the door. Yeah, the door. Uh, which is absolutely, uh, uh, you know, the, you don't think about that, but you get a lot of T-bones, you know, where they hit you from the side, and to have the airbag in the side, and even the roof. So eventually, uh, our car will be one giant airbag, and uh, no matter where you get hit, or, or, or where the impact comes from, you're going to be safe. And Tina? All right. Yes, ma'am. Uh, to the uh, topic about Takata and the, uh, this airbag disaster. Um, you know, the legislators, as if, if they could just cooperate with us, you know, it would, you know, save so many lives. And we, we really need everyone's support, you know, in uh, this, this terrible uh, train wreck, I'm gonna call it, that's been going on for so long. And the number of cars that are sold uh, un unbeknownst to the consumer, uh, that they do have a problem with that vehicle. And they're never told, and they drive right off the lot. Okay. Well, uh, call again, please, Jenny. You are, you are our best caller, certainly our best female caller. And I just fell off the bench here watching Facebook. I'm okay. Let me give you a hand. Uh, but the, um, the camera is now photographing the ceiling. But you're not <laughs> missing okay. much. Put it on Nancy. It looks better anyway. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm back. Uh, we are going to uh, go to uh, Sandy. 
who, who's been holding. And uh, she's calling from Palm Beach Gardens. Good morning, Sandy. Sandy, I thought I heard, an, uh, I thought I heard Jerry. I think you're there. Could you repeat what you just said? Oh, I just said good morning. I oh, okay. Yeah, we're having. I hope, Go ahead. I hope you can answer it for me. Okay. I have a 2010 SUV. I used to drive 10,000 plus a year going to work and back. I no longer do that. I'll drive maybe 20 miles a week. Mm -hmm. And my question is regarding an oil change. My car has, you know, of course it's got the digital, um, Fossil fuel, regular oil? Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's been on 30% for many, many months. It hasn't gone down because I don't drive my car very much. Sure. So my question is, how often should I change it? Well, Sandy, uh, that's one of the most common problems people have. They, they don't understand things. It's hard for me to understand. Uh, Rick explained it to me. But oil needs to be changed on time basis as well as mileage basis. And oil, uh, I don't know if the word deteriorates is the right word, but oil becomes uh, less effective um, due to humid humidity and heat and other conditions just by sitting in your car, even though you don't drive it. And people don't understand that, and it, it is a subtle fact of life that you should change your oil on your manufacturer's recommended cycle, regardless of mileage. And all manufacturers will have a a time in there, typically six months. So counterintuitively, if you sit, if your car sits in the garage for six months and you don't drive it at all, zero miles, you still need to get that oil changed. And that will protect your engine when you do drive <coughs> the car. Uh, actually, there's some, um, some truth to the fact that sitting still and not driving the car is worse for your car than driving it. So. My guess is your manufacturer says change that oil every six months, regardless of mileage. <laughs> Double check your owner's manual to be sure, but my guess is that's probably what it is, and you should follow that advice. Okay, Sandy? Sandy, are you a first-time caller? Well, we're having... Are you uh, go ahead. I think we're having technical difficulties. Sandy, if you can hear us, we cannot hear you, but... Uh, we, uh, I believe you are a first-time caller, and uh, we have a $50 check we'll send to you if you can call back. Okay, and if I move much closer to the microphone, I'm going to be making love to it. <laughs> so uh, at least I'll be getting saliva on the uh, thing here, so I'm sorry I can't do much more. For at any rate, uh, we will send you the check. Call back, 877-960-9960, Sandy. That's 877 9609960 and get Rudy in our control room your contact information and because you're a first time female caller we're going to give you $50 cash so we still have another 50 bucks for the next first time female caller 877-960-9960 and our text is 772-497-6530 and I believe, I believe we do have some text over there yeah we've had a few that's, that have come in this morning we have one from Jordan, and he says, good morning, Earl and Nancy Stewart. My name's Jordan, and I'm reaching out to you because I was mailed a fake advertising flyer from the same dealership 
uh, called Pat Fisher Nissan saying he has he has a sale event in the outlet Dunlinton Square Mall. Just trying to see what your thoughts are on that. Now, I, I think I can. I know what your answer is going to be. <laughs> yeah, you've heard it before. Uh, totally ignore all car, car dealer advertising, all of it. Uh, the the lowest form is your direct mail. If you have a, something that comes in the snail mail. Uh, it is typically the most deceptive. The reason being that you can direct snail mail to a particular mailbox and the regulators are far less likely. You don't see too many car dealers dumb enough to send direct mail to the Attorney General's office or to the County Office of Consumer Affairs so they can target all the people and it is really terrible. But all car dealer advertising is deceptive. Uh, they never advertise a vehicle at the price you can buy it for. And I've, I've I would love to hear from anybody in our audience on YouTube or Periscope or uh, radio or Facebook, anybody that can hear my voice, have you ever bought a car at the advertised price, for the advertised price, plus tax and tag only? We'll give them that much. Have you ever bought a car, what it was advertised for, and then only had to pay sales tax and license plate? If you have, call the show, 877 877- 960-9960, and we will say good things about the car dealer that did that because it just doesn't happen. Okay. Okay, excuse me, Stu. Uh, Sandy's back, oh. and uh, <clears throat> she's on the uh, line one. Sandy? Yes, hey. I don't know what happened. We missed you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just stay on the line, Sandy. We're going to have Rudy. He'll pick up the phone. He will get your contact information. And because you're a first-time female caller, we're going to send you $50 cash. So we don't want you to have to give us your address and everything over the, over the air. So Rudy will speak to you, get your information, and within a few days you'll have 50 bucks. And thank you very much. And please cool. call again next week. Yes, and a special thank you from okay. me, Sandy. Okay. You're welcome. Stay in touch. Now we'll get to our text. And Stu has another text that just came in. Yes, I do. This came in from, well, there's not a name on it. Um, it's a picture, and I'll try and get this to Jonathan, and we could probably get it up on, on, on Facebook or on okay. YouTube later. It's a picture of a Corolla in a car dealer's inventory listing on their website. And the question is, what's up with selling or advertising new cars without hubcaps or these wheel covers? Is, is this a new trend? I've noticed it from different dealers. And honestly, I'm kind of, I don't have an answer for you because I don't know, well, I can only speak for Toyota. I don't think there's any that come in without wheel covers or hubcaps, no. but I'm looking at a picture of what looks like to be a Toyota Corolla uh, without hubcaps. So I don't know. Well, my assumption is there's a thing called a pre-delivery inspection, and that's when these hubcaps are supposed to be installed on the car. Mm-hmm. Some have the their, their distributorship do it, some do it at the dealership. So maybe they took the picture of the car before they put the hubcaps on. Sounds like a goof up and uh, kind of silly. I mean, not a good way to sell cars. They don't look as good without the. Uh, not at all. Yeah. Shame on them. Um, and the last one, this kind of made me feel good, and I want you to take this to heart, Mr. Stewart. Uh, guys, relax and don't worry about the technical glitches. What's important is the show. We don't need perfection. The show and information speaks for itself. That's very nice. That is very, very nice. nice. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We're, we're getting grounded Let's a little take, bit yeah, here. Let's just take a little. There we go. Uh, cleansing breath. Uh, there we go. Okay. Uh, I see here where we have Daryl. Uh, he has been holding. Thank you, Daryl. And uh, Daryl's calling us from Pennsylvania, my wow. hometown. Good morning. Morning. What can we do for you this morning? This is Daryl calling from Pennsylvania. 
Good morning, Daryl. I have, um, yeah, I, I'm not in the market for, for Toyota or anything, but I'm in the market for a Ford F-450. Mm-hmm. And there's several dealerships in Florida that that I'm considering. Mm-hmm. One is Mullinex Ford. Mm-hmm. You know them? We do, yes. We have a mystery shop them. In fact, we know the Mullinex family, and we sp- have spoken to the sons recently, uh, and we know them to be... Uh, there, there, there are several locations, and they were the originals. They originated uh, the one price and no dealer fee years and years ago. Uh, since they've varied from that policy, uh, and uh, but generally speaking, they have a good reputation. Yeah, they have a lot of uh, a lot of reviews on online. I mean, hundreds that yeah. are five star. Mm-hmm. The thing. The other uh, one is is Tropical Ford in Orlando. Do you know them? Uh, is that owned by Mullinex, or is that a different, uh, this is a different Ford? I, I don't know Tropical I Ford. I don't know Tropical Ford in Orlando. <laughs> and before we get off Mullinex, let me say this. Uh, we found out that Mullinex Ford is uh, expanding by adding partners. And uh, they have partners that operate a little differently from the Mullinex philosophy. So uh, when you buy from Mullinex, Find out who the owner of the Mullinex Ford is. The Mullinex family, there's, I believe, two brothers and a father, and they have other owners out there. But generally speaking, the Mullinex name is a good name, and uh, sometimes the partners we found through a mystery shop were, were deviating from the um, dealer fee policy that Mullinex was supposed to have. In this particular case, it was Mullinex Ford on North Lake Boulevard in uh, North Palm Beach. And they were advertising cars with no dealer fee. And we mystery shopped them, found out that they did have a dealer fee. And that's when we contacted the real Mullinex and discussed it with him. He was going to do something about his partner changing that. And shame on us. I don't believe we've gone back and re-mystery shopped them. Have we still? Not then. We wanted to give enough time to let them relax for a little while. We've given them too much time. But anyway, that's the story on Mullinex. And Tropical, as I say, Daryl, we don't know about Okay. Well, thanks a lot for the information. Well, thank you, and check with us before you buy. Be happy to give you any advice. Watch out for the hidden fees. The biggest thing you have to watch out for when you're buying a car in Florida is hidden fees and dealer-installed accessories. Be sure you get an out-the-door price without any surprises, and you'll do just fine. Now, I've, I've been listening to your show for a long time now, so I know exactly what to look for. Good for you. you know, so. Thanks for being a regular listener. Thank you so listener. much. Thank you. You're welcome. Give us a call toll-free at 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. I have a text from a widow, and she points out that she is a recent widow. And uh, what's happened recently is that uh, she had to go out and purchase a vehicle, and uh, she had a direct mailer, and with that she thought, you know, all of her problems would be answered. She goes to the dealership, and in mind, she wants to purchase a vehicle, and uh, the monthly payment was way too high for her, mm-hmm. and uh, she just didn't know what she could do. It was out of her budget, and the salesperson uh, suggested uh, that she lease, and uh, she was very nervous about that, and uh, what she did was that uh, she told him that she would have have to go home and uh, digest leasing a vehicle. The payment was much 
uh, lower. Uh, the the pur purchasing payment was about $600 and the lease was about uh, $400 and she wants to know if she should go back to the dealership and sign on the dotted line for the lease. It sounds like this person has not gone sh car shopping alone and our sympathies uh, uh, certainly to her uh, husband who passed away recently. Uh, but you should go in whether you're uh, a widow or whether you're anybody, a man, a woman, uh, car shopping alone is not a good idea. Uh, you should go in with someone uh, that can take notes, uh, make suggestions. Uh, two sets of ears, two sets of eyes are better than one. As far as a lease versus a purchase, rule of thumb, I always recommend purchase because it's simpler, easier to understand. Car dealers today do push leasing. Manufacturers push push leasing because it's simply more profitable to the manufacturer and to the dealer. Car dealers, on the average, will make at least a thousand dollars more when they lease a car than when they sell you a car. And there are a lot of reasons for that. And the complexity and deception uh, is probably the single biggest reason. So I'd recommend you stick to purchasing. Uh, I think that uh, you want to have a companion come in with you, a friend, a relative. Uh, someone that maybe is experienced in buying cars. Uh, and I also recommend uh, that you get three competitive prices. Never buy from only one dealership quoted price. Competition is your best friend. Car dealers are fiercely competitive. I'm a car dealer and I'm fiercely competitive. It's in our blood when we become car dealers. And when they know that you're going to another competitor, uh, and you say, I'm going to two other competitors, they're really going to get serious about giving you the lowest price. Just be sure it's the lowest out-the-door price, meaning there's no hidden surprises, hidden fees, or dealer-installed accessories. And uh, Nancy Stewart, my co-host here, uh, has come up with a great idea. It's called an out-the-door price affidavit. And you can get that on EarlOnCars.com. If you just go to EarlOnCars.com, there's a little link there you can click on on the home page of EarlOnCars.com, and there will be out the door price affidavit. You can click on that. In fact, you can go to www.outthedoorpriceaffidavit.com. You can download that, print it out, and you can have the car dealership sign it before you sign anything for the car dealer. That's his guarantee that he's not going to be sneaking some dealer fees on, hidden fees, or adding window tint or nitrogen in the tires and all these other dirty little tricks in the way of dealer install accessories. You'll be getting a clean out-the-door price and you'll be in a competitive shopping. That is my advice. Rosalie, I hope we answered your question. And uh, when I was rereading re your text, I didn't see anywhere where you were talking about negotiating. Remember, everything is negotiable everything and it can be utilized in such a way that you could purchase a car and have a lower car payment stay in touch okay we've got some text over here still what's up we have one from deborah in boca and uh, deborah says i bought a new nissan maxima in march less than a week later i had a flat tire how is that possible they said the puncture was too close to the side to patch and i had to buy a new tire yeah. I told the dealership manager that I wanted him to pay for it because the car was so new and I couldn't imagine how it could get flat so soon after I bought it. He said I probably drove over something sharp and refused to pay for the tire and the new tire. What should I do, Deborah in Boca? Deborah, I, that's one of the most common complaints. One good thing about being a car dealer myself, uh, I live this uh, every day and 
Uh, I know about road hazards like uh, nails and screws in the road. South Florida has got construction all over the place. Uh, there's all sorts of crazy stuff lying out in the road. You see it. I, I, I don't drive down 95 without seeing something that I know, if I drove over it, is going to probably damage my tires. So it's just a fact of life. And uh, um, Stu? Yeah, I, I'm going to say, Deborah, that technically the dealership manager was right. Um, but I'm not sure if that was a uh, you know the smartest business decision. You know, you just bought a car; it's not going to cost him that much money. I think it's possible he could have done that to, just to make you happy. Um, I know there's lots of companies. I bought a pair of glasses from Warby Parker, plugging them on the air right now, and um, I ordered the wrong frames. I complained about it. Well, I didn't complain. But I brought it to their attention. They sent me new frames. They didn't have to do it. That's kind of a nice thing to do. But you know, everybody's different. Great example. Yeah, yeah I think that. I think there is something called road hazard insurance, and uh, you want to shop and compare the prices there. Uh, I normally don't buy, recommend uh, buying insurance at car dealers sell, uh, but all the tire stores and all the car dealers usually have this available. Uh, it's a matter of where you live, really. I mean, uh, if, if, if road hazards are something you see in construction in your area, you might want to consider road hazard insurance. Uh, you're never going to find a car dealer that's going to be a nice guy like Stu suggested and say, don't worry, I'm going to buy you a new tire because uh, you just bought a car from me two weeks ago. Uh, it ain't going to happen. So um, uh, I'm talking about Utopia. Yeah, Utopia. And Utopia, Utopia Ford would probably take care of it for you. Any more text? I uh, know. We're all cut up right now. Okay. Uh, 877-960-9960. And I'll give that out twice because... Some of you folks can't write it down that fast. And don't write it down, by the way, if you're driving. 877-960-9960. And you can text us at 772 772-497-6530. 772-497-6530. And Rick has got some YouTube uh, postings here. Uh, let's see if I... Yeah, I think this mic is working, isn't it? Okay, we had a little issue yes. earlier with my other mic. Uh, uh, actually, we have an anonymous text first where a fellow is asking, he says, I'm considering the purchase of a mint condition 1985 American-made automobile. Knowing that this was a time before airbags were standard equipment, is it possible to add an aftermarket airbag so I can be driving in a safer vehicle? The unfortunate answer there is no. Airbags are so integrated into the design of the vehicle and they need to be designed to work with each individual vehicle, including the sensors that detect the impact. Um, there's actually a great video on YouTube that Honda produced that basically shows what happens if your airbag is one one-hundredth of a second late and they drop a watermelon onto an airbag that catches it and then one one-hundredth of a second late, uh, it's watermelon Armageddon. Yeah, we've got a green so, screen behind us. You know, what we ought to do next week or the week after, it'd be really cool to project that video. It's the most dramatic, oh, that. demonstrative video about what airbags do. And we'll try to do that maybe next week or the week after. Especially how powerful they yeah. really are and why it is so crucial that they be designed to operate at the timing that they need. Yeah, you can't, you can't put your own airbag in. I wish you could, but you can't do that. No. And our other one here is uh, Guy from Ottawa, Canada. He's a snowbird, but he's up in Canada right now. And he says, how come Toyota has not brought in the high ace or light ace delivery vans to Canada and the U.S. 
He said they seem to dominate the world market. And I equate this also with the Toyota Hilux pickup truck that is available in other markets, but not in the U.S. And I bet Stu would probably have a better answer on that than me. But I, I think it's due mostly to emissions. I think it is. I know that they make uh, a lot of uh, vehicles. Well, they have diesels out there in the world. So I know I know the Hilux comes in a diesel and a gas version. No, I don't really know. It's kind of like a modified Toyota Tacoma. I know. You know. Yeah. yeah it, it, isn't, it isn't the airbag or the safety thing because if Toyota wanted to, they could build any vehicle with American uh, qualifications of safety and airbags and, and emissions and the rest of it. But there are so many proliferations and combinations of models of vehicles that Toyota and all the manufacturers have a problem with optimizing their mix. Uh, Imagine if there were a thousand different models for one manufacturer being sold in the same market. It would be impossible to stock the representative sample of those models. The car dealers would not be able to offer the the, the customer uh, a car in every model. So they have to they have to pare it down. They have to reduce the number and combinations of models and equipment in a market. They don't do a very good job of it. Even now, with all the manufacturers, there are so many different models and combinations of equipment, it's almost impossible for a car dealer to stock those. So you're right. Uh, there are cars, as a Toyota dealer, that we say, boy, we, we sure wish we had this. And we have people say, why don't you have this? And the answer is, you just can't have everything in every market. Yeah. You can't always get what you want. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we also just have one other that just came in from Tim on YouTube here. He says, Earl, which vehicle does your dealership make the most profit on consistently? Uh, that would be the probably right now. I can tell you what it would be. It would be the uh, Supra 2020. And uh, we sell that at uh, suggested retail price. Yeah. And that's the most profit we make on a car. Yeah, I don't know if you can call that consistently, though. We're going to have maybe one. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> true. Yeah, typically, uh, Highlander. Uh, every dealer, including uh, including us, you know, the Highlander, uh, in our case here, it's a matter of supply and demand. And we sell the car that has the highest demand, the lowest supply. Uh, the Supra is an extreme example, as Stu said, because uh, we've only sold one, and we have one that we're not selling because... Uh, we want to have a car to show when people come in, and we'll get about one a month, and uh, we will sell it at full MSRP. What is that? What's the profit at full MSRP? Do we make probably around four thousand dollars? So we make about four thousand dollars when we sell a Supra, but we only get one a month. And then when we sell something like a Highlander, what do we make? Uh, maybe around eighteen hundred. Eighteen hundred dollars. Uh, so that's uh, supply and demand. We sell. Uh, the, the other cars, will sell cars closer to our actual cost and uh, supply and demand. If you have too many models or too many cars of a particular make, you sell them for whatever you can get. Yeah. And hadn't we just seen a Supra advertised at another dealership for a $40,000 markup over MSRP? Yeah, that was Al I Hen- love that one. That's <laughs> Al Hendricks and Toyota in Coconut Creek. And uh, they, there was a newspaper article about that, yeah. marking up uh, their Supras 
Uh, so there, so there's a four thousand dollar profit at MSRP, but they want to make forty four thousand, so they mark it up forty thousand. Yeah. And heads up to you folks out there: be very careful uh, when you're buying a car. Be sure that the sticker price is the Monroni label. The manufacturers suggest retail price. Uh, dealers will add something we call a phony Monroni, which is an addendum label that looks official, but they mark it up additionally. And cars with a high demand, low supply, are typically ones that they do that to. Our wholesaler guy told us uh, there's one that actually sold at auction last week for $75,000. It's already made it onto the used car market. Over a uh, sticker. No, 75000 was the sale price. Oh, the sale price. Yeah, so, so that's that, still over you know $20,000 yeah, over the sticker yeah. price. Yeah, so that's like the wholesale value because only car dealers buy cars at auction. So. That'll give you an idea of what these cars are selling for. If a car dealer paid 20000 over sticker, what, he, what is he going to charge you? And we said Al Hendricks and Toyota yeah. is charging 40000 yeah, That's not pick on, on Al. I mean, no. they're all doing it. They're all doing it, yeah. Uh, Toyota Vero Beach, I think, had one over $100,000 online. Really? Well, uh, yeah. Somebody must have leaned on them because it's back to MSRP online. So. <laughs> oh, great. Okay, uh, Jackie uh, texts. She's confused. She wants to know what dealer fees she has to pay. Uh, Jackie, you don't have to pay any dealer fee. Dealer fee is simply profit to the dealer. And uh, they will tell you that they have to charge it. That's a lie. They'll tell you that everybody charges it. Uh, that's a lie too, but it's almost true because um, uh, very few dealers don't charge dealer fees. I, I know of none right now. Uh, really, uh, my dealership doesn't charge a dealer fee, but I don't know of any others that don't. Some of them charge nominal dealer fees, and uh, Carfax, Carfax, CarMax has a, what a hundred ninety nine dollar dealer fee. Three ninety nine. Three ninety nine. Yeah. yeah, they raised it. Um, but it's not a dealer fee. Yeah, it's Off a CarMax all, processing fee. Off lease only <laughs> uh, has a, a small dealer fee. They they don't charge. Uh, what a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars uh, off lease? Uh, yeah, one ninety nine. One ninety nine. Yeah, or maybe so, two. No, ah, it's confusing. Yeah, uh, the average uh, dealer fee in South Florida is well over a thousand dollars, and you do not have to pay it. But let me uh, let me be a little bit more specific. If they're going to charge a dealer fee and they say they have to do, say okay, just give me your out the door price including your dealer fee and let me shop and compare that price with your competition because the dealer fee is not required by anybody to charge they do it because the dealer wants to do it and because it's profit to the dealer so let them charge it if they want to but just be sure you can shop and compare it because competition will eliminate the dealer fee for you uh, competition will reduce the price of the car for you and then reducing the price you're reducing or eliminating the dealer fee but to ask them to voluntarily voluntarily eliminate it it can happen sometimes but usually it doesn't Okay, Jackie, I hope we've answered your question. Uh, if you have a question uh, and you'd like to text it, you can do so at 772-497-6530, or you can give us a call at 877-960-9960. We're going to go to Palm City, where we have our most favorite caller, and that is John. Good morning, John. John, are you out there? In Radio Land? Yes, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you all for being there and educating the consumers. Thank you. Um, I want to, the Bible of the industry, everybody should have it, or pick it up in a library, or even read it uh, in the, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, the uh, stores. 
July uh, Consumer Report, page 12, very small article. And this is a question I'm going to have for Rick. Top-tier gas. Okay, they mentioned. Rick said it in the past. All gasolines, no matter what brands, they do have government-mandated additives. Okay? That's standard on all the gas. But consumers mentioned top-tier gas. Namely, what that means is Chevron, Exxon, uh, Shell, Mobil. They have additional additives. Uh, For instance, I know for a fact... Chevron puts Textron in it. Shell has a new additive that they put in. And this is for all grades. This is nothing to do with Octane now. This is across the board when you go to these stations. And on an average, it costs three cents more than it does on your regular stations, which is Wawa, BJ, Sam's Club, Marathon, Speedway, etc. Now, what I want to ask you, they do recommend it because it's clean the valves, and it's better performance in any one of your automobiles on any grade. What does Rick's opinion about spending two to three, sometimes five cents even more, to go to these name brand stations like Chevron or Shell to put it in a car? What does Rick's statement say about it? I think the only reason to go to a name brand station is the fact that if there is a problem with their fuel, they're more likely to stand behind it and take care of the issue. Uh, the reason I say this is a few years back, Shell Gasoline had an issue where a lot of their fuels came out with an extremely high sulfur content that wound up damaging fuel pumps in a lot of cars. And if you had a receipt showing that you had filled up with Shell Gasoline recently and your car suffered an issue with the fuel pump, Shell was paying for the repairs 100%, no questions well, asked. Well, Rick, did I, did I understand uh, John's question? His question was that the name brand About. gas stations have specific additives that can benefit. Do uh, name brand gas stations have specific additives that the off-brand independents don't have? Uh, they do claim to, and I'm sure they put something in there. But truth be told, with modern automobiles and the modern fuels, just about any of them if your car if you're driving the car a reasonable amount and the car is basically you're exercising the car cars need exercise just like people do and if you're getting a reasonable amount of driving in time in to let the car heat up get the engine up to operating temperature good it'll clean itself out for the most part all by itself with any good quality fuel available at any gas station uh like I say, even using Marathon or even some of these newer newer names popping up, mm-hmm. their fuels are regulated by the government. They have to meet certain quality standards, and those fuels are just fine to run in your car. The only change I see that, that I would recommend sticking with a good name brand fuel, again, is because that company you know will stick behind their fuel. Plus the fact they turn their gas more frequently, and it's less likely for the gas to sit in the sediment to collect in the bottom Right. Of the, You're yeah. less likely to get sediment or water mixed into the fuel. Because hmm. you know, even though gas and water don't mix, once that water's down in the bottom of the tank, as it's getting stirred up, there will be some amounts of that water that stays mixed in with the fuel till it can settle back out. So that water can wind up being in your tank sometimes. Does that answer your question, John? Yes, that answers it. I'm going to stick to I'm a Wawa or a racetrack. And the reason I like them, not only because of price and cleanliness, but regularly, regularly, 
they come in and they clean the tanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spoke to the company that was doing it in a racetrack, and boy, I'm telling you, it's a regular basis. There's absolutely no water ever in any of their tanks, or they'll shut the entire station down until this maintenance coming company comes in and takes care of it. Now, another second question I got. Uh, people are going crazy. The new Corvette is out with a mid-engine. Mm-hmm. Um, this crazy Supra uh, deal is with 55000 What I And I'm a lot of years following, especially new cars or collector cars. I think anybody that pays anything above list price on any car, I don't care what it is, is out of their mind. Mm-hmm. They're going to get burnt. I'll go back as far as when I started high school. The Corvette came out in 53. People were going crazy until they saw basically what the car was. It was a bomb. Mm-hmm. Corvette almost went out of business. A sports car with a six-cylinder engine. Quality beyond so bad, you can't believe it. The Chevrolet dealer had to uh, fix the fiberglass and repaint actually the cars. But, I mean, I'm going, Pontiac came out with a mid-engine. Uh, it, it was a bomb. It fell apart. People Feral. were going crazy. They were paying above list. And, and it's any, anything that I saw that came out and it was supposed to be the hottest number, T-Bird and, and Camaro at the beginning of the 2000s mm-hmm. came out with a model. People were paying five and 10000 above the list. Sure. And, you know, it was like nothing. People want an investment in the car and should they have the money. Buy so-called collector car, especially some of them at auction now. They're going for prices that you could not restore the car or half of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I just got, for instance, an interesting car is coming up Tuesday on the 6th. Guernsey, an auction company in New York City, is auctioning Liz Taylor's 60 Rolls Royce off. <laughs> yeah, I saw no that. Reserve <laughs> on it. An interesting car for one reason. Or was that Queen Liz Elizabeth? Taylor had seven, I think, at least seven husbands. The first one, Eddie Fisher. <laughs> Liz Taylor got married in a beautiful wedding dress. This is, you know, a little off the topic. And it was the most gorgeous color of green. So uh-huh. what did Liz Taylor do? She went with Rolls-Royce and contracted for the same color green. You can, you can see the car on the computer. Yeah. Auctions at gurneys.com. Yeah. It's the most gorgeous green I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, there's an example. Somebody that has any money and burning a hole in their pocket to buy something in the automobile field. This is the type of cars... That's, that's worth something. I mean, uh, for instance, uh, the record of a New York auction uh, in the United States was a 35 Duesenberg was owned by Gary Cooper. That mm. set an all-time uh, a record for American car of $22 million. Now, I'm not saying for people to go and injure something like that, but forget about buying any car, any new car especially, and paying above win- Lindo price on it. You're absolutely right about that. Time waste of money. You're right. The uh, manufacturers and the dealers often will hype uh, the scarcity. Um, I have no reason to think that the super is going to be available in any supply. But who knows? Uh, The control is with the manufacturer. And you know that a manufacturer or a car dealer is going to tell you this is high demand, low supply to justify the high price. But who knows? Maybe supers will be available in large supply in two years. Uh, Toyota says no. But it's up to them. Well, the manufacturers hype it up. Sure. I mean, they're pushing this Chevrolet with the mid-engine now. Mm. It doesn't sound so exciting. Pontiac with the Fiero fell flat on their back with it. They sure did. John, thank you very much. Uh, You're always a fountain of information, particularly when it comes to antique cars. And those are interesting. 
keep an eye on that Rolls Royce. It sounds interesting, but just look at the color on the computer. Yeah, I'll do that. It, sound, it does sound Burnsy interesting. Burnsy Auctions. Sounds good. Thank you, John. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye, John. Thank you for the call. Uh, our number here is 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And uh, Jackie is still in touch with me, and I have some information for you, Jackie, that's going to, you know, m protect you when you go in to uh, purchase your vehicle. Uh, you can go to Consumer Report, consumerreports.com, uh, and there's a... Uh, protect yourself from hidden fees uh, that uh, I was reading from May 29th, uh, 2019. So take a read and uh, let us know how things turned out for you. Protect yourself from hidden fees, the Consumer Report. Stu's got a bunch of text over there. I do, but John reminded me of something. Uh, this thing with the, the new Corvette and the mid-engine, there mm -hmm. seems to be some war brewing out there on social media between Supra fans and Corvette fans. I mean, it's getting ugly online. I've seen these posts on Facebook, and they're battling back and forth which one's the better car. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of funny because we are in the car business. I, I just I, I don't get into that. <laughs> I don't under, understand how emotional people get about these cars, but they do. It's an important Well, somebody you know, asked me the other day yeah. if I had driven our new Supra. And I said, no. He said, why not? How I could said, you? I said, well, for one reason, it's very hard for me to get in and out. Yeah. And, I, and Stu said he bumped his head the other you day. So, yeah, yeah. so <laughs> you got to love this kind of thing. And I love our new Supra because we, we when we sell it, we make $4,000. Yeah. And uh, we uh, sold an MSRP. I appreciate the design. I think it's a beautiful car. But yeah. it's a little too small for me. It is, true. I love the 1993 Supra. Huh? Yeah, there's one parked right next to it. Um, okay, our text. So this came in from Edgar, and Edgar says, Earl, you mentioned texting the show while driving. This is now illegal in Florida. Uh, what is the chance that the auto manufacturers have lobbied state legislature, state legislature to force consumers to buy more expensive cars with hands-free features like Bluetooth? And that's from Edgar. Well, I, in the manufacturers, um, I think the, everybody now is taking another look at this technology. You know, texting while driving is certainly the wrong thing to do. But think about this for a minute. The reason texting while driving is the wrong thing to do is because of two reasons. You take your eyes off the road. You also take your brain off the road. Yeah. And what I mean by that is your mind is about as important as your eyesight when you're driving. If, if you're not thinking, uh, it's just like closing your eyes. So with Bluetooth or cell phones or your Apple Play TV, anytime your brain is engaged on texting or talking or anything and you're not thinking about driving, it's dangerous. And I think that our manufacturers and car dealers need to think real hard about simplifying the functions on our vehicles so that we don't have to think about driving. Yeah. If we have to think about or think about texting or, or emailing or anything else, uh, Rick, you have a point. I was just going to mention Mythbusters actually did an, uh, an episode on that where they tested their own people to see how they could do mm -hmm. using a total hands-free system where all they were doing was talking on a radio. Mm -hmm. And it interfered with their concentration yeah. enough that on the test course they did horrible yeah, in driving. Triple so. A did a study, and you just it's reminded been proven. me. Yeah. Uh, triple A did a study, and they found out that the younger people, uh, and I'm going to make these numbers up but they're close it takes them uh, three or four seconds to uh, navigate or perform functions with their instrument panel and it takes folks my age about twice as long so uh, 
there's always a time lapse of focus concentration off the road when you're working with your Apple Play or whatever Bluetooth or whatever else texting uh, by voice recognition. All these things are done much simpler and faster by younger people. But folks my age uh, are taking way too long and Nancy will testify to that because she says, stop doing that Earl and I'll be looking to buy Apple Play and I'm not looking at the road. So this whole thing needs to be readdressed by the manufacturers. Well, it's a proven fact that in a split second, I don't care how old you are <clears throat> or how young you are, in a split second, your life can change. With that said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're a very important part of the show, so give us a call at 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And remember, youranonymousfeedback.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to go to John in West Palm Beach, who's been holding. And uh, Doug, we will get right to you. Good morning, John. Hey, good morning. A lot of, a lot of static. I don't know if it's on my end. Um, we hear you clearly, John. Go ahead. Oh, you can hear me clearly? Okay, very good. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to comment on the Fiero. Uh, the reason why it fell flat was, first of all, the bad rep about uh, the plastic body panels oh, yeah. that were attached to the rolling roll case. One of the safest cars because it was all metal underneath. It just had plastic body panels that were easy to replace. But the one thing that hurt it was it was underpowered. They were using the old Iron Duke Ford uh push rod motor and it was also the same time that toyota came out with their mr2 two-seater mid-engine but that had the overhead cam so if you were an enthusiast you were going to go with the mr2 because of its peppiness and quickness mm -hmm. the vr the for 1984 the gear was under uh underpowered and i remember that yeah and i'm actually old enough to remember that well, it's interesting today that all the cars are so unprofitable that that's the reason you don't see as many sports cars on the road, uh, and you just can't make as much money when you sell a car as a SUV or a van. Or I remember the display in the Pontiac showroom years ago when they were featuring the plastic exterior, and there was a big uh, pole with a with a bowling ball hanging from it, and yeah. it was for oh, the yeah. uh, customers could sw uh, swing it back and let it slam into the panel. It would dent in and then pop out a few seconds later. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, I guess yeah. people didn't it like was, that. Uh, <laughs> and, and then I was the one that was uh, called last week about the Corvette and the values of the other Corvettes. When I, uh, and the gentleman from uh, the other guy named John before me, <laughs> if he's interested, all the dealerships have. Uh, all their orders are done with for the Corvette. They're all gone. Oh, really? Yeah. That's how fast they sold out. I believe it. You know, if you got the money, you know, I, I know people yeah. are feeling sorry for these guys that pay too much. But uh, a lot of people just, they don't care what it costs. If I got the first one in the block, it's worth it to me. They've impressed their friends. Exactly. Yes. Very good. All right. Have a great day. Thank you, John. Thanks, Thanks. John. We're going to go to Doug, who's holding in uh, Boca. Good morning, Doug. Hello, how are you? Hey, Doug. Good morning. Good. Um, I wanted to ask a question about the Super again, and um, I guess the way it looks is there's a two-year waiting period, which is like, wow, that's crazy. So I, I guess I'm going to give up on this until two years from now. 
You might get a good deal two years from now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's worth the wait. Certainly if you're going to be paying uh, $50,000 over MSRP. So. Exactly. Uh, they, you're, the, the exploitation is the recognition by car dealers that emotion takes over. And whether you're buying a mid-engine Corvette or you're buying a Supra, uh, you're so excited about being the guy that's got one. And I say guy, probably because the gal's got more common sense. The guy just right. wants to have that thing about, you know, in that really cool car. And uh, it's okay. Right. I mean, hey, life is short. If it makes you feel that good, you want to pay an extra 40000 over MSRP or an extra 100000 and you got the money. You know, people do right. crazy things. They got too much of money. Wow. Well, to me, it's a little silly, and, and I'll just deal wait, with what wait, I have now. Wait two years. We'll, <laughs> right. You get a really good deal. You have a big selection to choose from, too. Maybe. All right. Well, you guys have a great day, and thanks for being on. Uh, thanks for having the show. Okay. Thanks, Doug. Say hi to Ollie. Yeah, say hi to Ollie for us. Scratch him behind the ear. Okay, I will. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Doug. 877-960-9960. Or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And don't forget the Mystery Shopping Report's coming up, and that'll be from uh, off-lease only in uh, West Palm Beach. So stay tuned for that, the uh, last half hour of the show. Texts are backing up over there, Stu. They're coming in. Uh, we have a question from Barbara on Facebook. She says, hi, what is a CO2 sensor on a car? I'm looking at you, Rick. A CO2 sensor? It says a CO2 sensor. I have not heard of a CO2 sensor. I know of an O2 an sensor. O2 sensor, yes. yep. Uh, that's an oxygen sensor that's in the exhaust pipe, and it helps determine, tells the computer, how well the engine is burning the fuel and whether it needs to adjust the amount of fuel or air coming into the engine. Okay. Let me ask you this. I, I, I know that's right, but it just occurred to me that one of the problems we have in our atmosphere is carbon dioxide, which is CO2, and cars do... You know, we, we, we exhale carbon dioxide yep. and so on and so forth, and plants eat it and exhale oxygen. But uh, with all that said, um, is there any regulation on cars in terms of emission of carbon dioxide? I know carbon monoxide is, but there's no regulation on carbon dioxide. No, there, there actually is not. A regulation on carbon dioxide because actually they kind of go with the lesser of the evils mm -hmm. if in, in an absolute perfect perfect world if an engine were to able to burn the hydrocarbons in the fuel and the oxygen in the air mm -hmm. absolutely perfectly the only thing coming out of the tailpipe would be carbon dioxide mm -hmm. and water h2o mm -hmm. unfortunately not in a perfect world so we still have the hydrocarbons, the HC coming out, nitrogen. There's a whole bunch of different things that come out of the tailpipe. Mm -hmm. But the safest ones to have coming out of the tailpipe, the lesser of the evils, is the carbon dioxide and water. Now, in a hydrogen car, uh, it's just water, or is there also some carbon dioxide? There's also carbon dioxide, and there's also hydrocarbons, because the hydrogen yeah. is a hydrocarbon at that point. Very interesting. I actually saw a few of those Toyota Mirais, the fuel cell ones, mm -hmm. out in California. You can only get them out in the West Coast. Yeah. They're pretty cool.
Um, I'm not sure if we got to this one. This came in on our anonymous feedback website, um, which is youranonymousfeedback.com. Mm-hmm. We have a few coming in on that. Um, it says, good morning all. I have a question for Rick. Some mechanics have advised me that 0W20 motor oil is meant for colder climates. Um, and that in the heat of South Florida, motor oil should have a thicker viscosity to better protect the engine. What do you recommend? In the older days, the older engines did need that thicker oil in, the, in warmer climates. But with 0W20 in engines that are designed for 0W20, it's completely fine in just about every environment on the earth. Uh, with the exception of the extreme cases of, say, the middle of the Sahara Desert or up in the far Arctic Circle where you would need to make adjustments because of an extreme climate. How about the Gobi Desert? uh, There again, yeah. It's a cold desert. Well, but it's also not quite as hot as the Sahara or that That Middle East region where we're seeing temperatures now. They're seeing daily temperatures over 130 degrees Fahrenheit. So There's a number... On the oil, like 20 and 30 and 40, does that correlate with temperature? It actually correlates with the thickness of the oil, yeah. but generally thicker oil in the heat will run thinner, yeah. and so, as it gets colder, of course, it feels so it the, gets thicker. So the lower the number, the thicker the oil. And the, actually, the lower the number, the thinner the thinner oil. The oil. Yep. Okay. So you want to go, okay, so you can recognize, so what are the numbers, 10, 20, 30, 40, how high does it go? It starts at zero, and you can get as high, used to be as high as 70 weight oil, mm-hmm. and gear lube actually goes as high as 95 on a viscosity scale. Interesting. Okay. We have another anonymous uh, uh, feedback. Um, I was watching a past video where you mentioned Ford and the faulty transmissions they knowingly sold. Are you going to mention the Corolla hatchback and their transmission problems that Toyota is trying to hide? And what about all those infotainment systems that are going out after four years that Toyota is trying not to fix? I do know that there was a recall on the Toyota hatchback, I think, in December for yeah, the I checked, transmission. I checked it out while you were on vacation with okay. Mark, uh, our service manager, and the uh, the uh, transmission issue was a um, uh, it was a technical uh, issue. What do you call it? Uh, the a TSP? computer reflash. Yeah, computer reflash. Yeah. And there were only a few cars in the About 4,000, I think. Yeah. And uh, th- that was caught immediately, and there were very few that got on the road. And actually, the reflash was done on a lot of it new was, cars before yeah, they were ever That recall came out shortly after the, uh, as soon as they came out. It was yeah. in December last year. And so... Uh, the uh, it was a total different issue, and, and this sounds to me like an anonymous uh, feedback from a Ford dealer, possibly, which is okay. I mean, I'm not saying that Toyota's without sin. Uh, Toyota's done things that I never liked. I've never known. We've never known of Toyota to do something in the way of premeditated concealment of a problem. Uh, they were accused of that back during the sudden acceleration, but they were exonerated because uh, NASA and some other yeah. official uh, agencies checked. There really was no um, uh, sudden yeah. acceleration in terms of an electronic or computer issue. Yeah. It had to do with floor mats and so on and so forth. But uh, I don't know of any premeditated things like Ford got in trouble with by Toyota. Unless they're really good at concealing stuff. Well, they, and they may be. Yeah, you never know. That's Rick? just speculation. But as a matter of fact, because we are not a commercial for Toyota, I'm going to throw one thing right out. 
right now the 2019 RAV4s, which I own one, mm -hmm. has an issue with the transmission with a shifting situation, mm -hmm. yeah. and Toyota's aware of it, and they're working on a fix. Yeah. But sometimes these things take a little bit of time yeah. for them to find them, and for them, they might not have realized it was out there, and it takes time before they can figure well, out yeah, how the, to get it straight. The key is if it's a safety issue, and the manufacturers like it or not. If it's just a drivability problem that they consider not to be a safety issue, they'll keep them on the road. And uh, there'll be technical bulletins that go out. And they're, I don't like the technical bulletins because oftentimes they're secret in the sense yeah. that they're not publicized. So you don't know. Until you get to the dealership. And they even tell the dealers, don't discuss it with the customer yeah. unless the customer brings it up. I don't like that for Toyota or any manufacturer. But the unconscionable thing, unforgivable thing, is to know there's a safety yeah. problem. And Ford, in this case, knew there was a safety problem. They have action, emails and conversations. Uh, they have people that have confessed to knowing. And so uh, it's, like, it's like Volkswagen did with the emissions. It's not quite as bad because the emission isn't as serious as a safety issue. Yeah. But to lie to the customers and to lie to the federal government uh, is unconscionable. And a manufacturer, I think, should be prosecuted for that. And I think the CEO ought to go to the slammer. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're going to go to Barbara, who's been holding, and she's calling about her engine light that uh, stays on. Uh, I think Rick can take care of that one. Good morning, Barbara. Hello? Hi, Barbara. Good morning, Barbara. Hi. Hi. I've been listening now for about a month on my way to work. And it's a long drive. Sorry. Yeah. My check engine, my, my VSA, like, and truck drive, I took to a dealer, and they said they couldn't find out what was wrong. Recently, my starter went out, and I had that replaced. And then the gentleman said no, something about CO2 sensor being out causing that. Oh, okay, Barbara asked on Facebook. Yeah, okay. So the starter went out, and he, she he mentioned a CO two sensor to her. Okay, I, yeah, I think he might have been talking about that O two sensor. And if the O two sensor is starting to have an issue, it will turn on the check engine light. However, even if those sensors completely quit working, your car will not stop running because those it it'll actually do what's called go into a safety mode where instead of the computer adjusting the fuel trim based on how it's running, it simply will use a set of charts that it has in its memory, and it will just go with a straight signal. So your car will still run pretty normally. It'll just have that check engine light on. Uh, I would suggest when, when the light comes on, go straight to somewhere and have them pull the codes on it and write down what codes you're seeing and then take that to the dealership or to your mechanic and they should be able to straighten it out from there. Thank you. I have a 2005 Toyota Highlander. It is an older car, but it runs very well. Uh, he's still talking about I have four sensors. Would that be correct? Yes, it is. Rick, tell the independent places that don't charge for pulling the codes. Uh, places like AutoZone, um, I believe discount auto parts, most auto parts stores, the, the big name brand parts stores, will have these little generic code pullers. They can come out and plug it into your car, and they'll tell you what trouble code it's detecting, and they usually will do that for free. 
It only takes a few minutes to connect one in, and it just plugs in right under the dash. takes about five minutes to do it. Okay, I have an older lady, and sometimes I feel like these places, because I'm older, they like they can like something. Yeah, they, that's. We don't know much about cars except for them off. Yeah, well, that's why we're here, you know, make sure that people are aware of the uh, the pitfalls. Okay. I think we're in a bad cell area, Barbara. It's kind of hard. You're breaking yeah, up a little you bit. Could, yeah. uh, I can't understand. So yeah. I thought it was our technical yeah. thing. No, it sounds it, so, it sounds like a cell phone reception problem. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we're only getting about every other word. But Barbara, the the best option is when you find what that code is, uh, just send us a quick text on Facebook, and we can help you define just you know just what you need to have that fixed, and then just call a couple places and ask tell them you have that specific code. And ask them how much would they charge to install that sensor and call like a couple different pet boys, a couple different auto shops and go with the, as long as it's a good reputable shop, just go with whoever's the cheapest price. Thank you. I appreciate that. Quite welcome. Thank you, Barbara. Barbara, are you a first time caller? Yes, I was, like I said, listening for about a month now. Okay, Barbara, I'll stay on the line and uh, pass your contact information to me, and I'll get a check out to you for $50. Thank you for listening to Earl Stewart on Cars. Okay. Okay. Thank you. 877-960-9960 or Texas is 772-497-6530. And Sue's got some more text over there. Yeah, let's get caught up. Uh, this is from Mark. It says, um, I'm, I kind of agree with Mark. Hydrogen cars do not produce hydrocarbons. They burn H2 and O2. There is no carbon in the fuel. Gasoline has carbon and hydrogen. That's why gas cars produce hydrocarbons from Mark. And I said, that's what I thought. I'll smack Rick in the face with this. Bap. He is completely correct. Okay. <laughs> I was wondering about that. I just didn't want to say anything. Okay, the next one we have, this is from our anonymous feedback, youranonymousfeedback.com. Hi, Rick. I once dated a woman who told me that using the air conditioner while being closed off from the outside air was bad for the engine. Is there any truth to this? Also, I think I remember you saying a while back that before turning off the car, it's a good idea to allow the outside air in and turn the fan on high to eliminate the chance of mold. Is this true? And that's from Britt in Los Angeles. The first part, no. You can run that AC on recirculate as much as you want to keep it nice and cold. Won't hurt the engine at all. Won't hurt anything at all. The second part, if you have an issue where you're in a, a humid area and you notice you're starting to get kind of a musty smell, that's the easiest thing to try is about two or three minutes before you get home, switch over to that fresh air intake and put that fan on high and it will help to get some of the condensation off of the evaporator core and leave it on fresh air so that the air can circulate a little bit and it will reduce that moisture and reduce any mold or mildew buildup. All right. Um, and our last one on youranonymousfeedback.com. Hi, I love your show. I'm considering buying a new car from your dealership, but I live about 250 miles away. Is there still a break-in period for the first 1,000 miles? Uh, don't do something for new cars. I don't want to cause damage to the new car um, while driving highway on the highway to get home. Th 
thank you and keep up the great work. Break-in period. And the answer there is no, because the engine companies now, when they build the engines, they actually put them on a dynamometer and they do the break-in for you. Sounds so great. So those cars are, as soon as you get in that new car, you're ready to drive along in a nice, safe manner. Okay, great. We're going to keep Rick busy. Here's another one. Uh, what would be a good additive to add to gas to keep the engine running clean? And it's from, uh, no name on that. That's from, I'm sorry, that's from Bob and Stewart. None, in my opinion. I would stick with a good name brand fuel company, and I really wouldn't put any additives. I don't use any additives in my own personal vehicles at all. Bob, think about it. It's a very competitive marketplace out there. If there were an additive that would put in gas, it would do something significant like better fuel economy, less pollution, greater power, anything. The oil companies would own that in a heartbeat. If somebody was selling it uh, in a store, they'd buy it from them for $100 million and they would put it in their gasoline. So there is no additive that you can put, that you can buy in the store that's going to make your gasoline any better. Okay, great. Hey, by the way, Mr. Hand says hi on our other YouTube channel. Oh, good morning, hi, Mr. Mr. Hand. <laughs> okay, uh, Jerry in West Palm Beach um, has texted us. He says, uh, I plan on buying a used car next month and I'm going to use the information I've learned on this show. I'm going to negotiate online. In the original email, um, is that when I should mention that I'm shopping multiple dealerships? Also, is that when I should include the out-the-door price affidavit? I would say uh, you can. Uh, I think that uh, you probably should wait until you get a price. I think uh, if um, you tell them ahead of time, that you're going to be shopping multiple dealerships it's going to be more difficult for you to get the price car dealers don't like if they think you're going to buy a car from them at least you'll get a price it'll be a high price but you will get a price and i would start out and then i would say i'm going to take this price and shop and compare it i want to be sure this is your best out the door price plus government fees only and then i will shop and compare it um what do you think Stu? I think that's the best way to do it. Um, I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong with letting the dealers know right up front that you're shopping yeah. and comparing. Um, I think the out-the-door price affidavit is maybe comes a little bit later in when you actually get to the dealership. Mm -hmm. But actually, you know, I mean, you can download it. You can send it as a, as a PDF and an email. Yeah. It's, you can, it's really up to you. As long as they know that you're serious about looking, that you're comparing other dealers, that's probably going to be the, the best, uh, the most effective weapon that you I'm have. I'm thinking about, you know, typically, let's go back to the old days. Uh, you walk into a car dealership and you want to buy a car and say, I like that one there. How much is it? And the dealer says, or the salesman says, are you going to buy the day? And if you say, yes, I'm going to buy the day, then things start to roll and the deception begins, but you get a price. Uh, if you, if you say to a, a salesman, I'm not ready to buy yet. You're, you might get this answer, well, when you're ready to buy, come back and see me, or go out and shop around, get your best price, and bring it in, and I'll beat it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the game that likes to be played uh, by the car salespeople. And that's the only reason I say that uh, you might be better off to play the game with them up to the point where you get a price, and then hit them with the fact that you'll be shopping and comparing this price. At least you got one price. Yeah. They might say then, well, uh, if you get a better price, come back and see me, and you have to say then. Uh, if you don't give me your best price now, you'll never hear from me again. Right. Yep. Well, it definitely works. 
Yeah. Okay, we're all caught up. Okay, okay. folks. Uh, this uh, is from Christina, who <clears throat> is uh, uh, texting me about her tires, and she wants to extend the life of her tires. And I think that uh, Rick can pro probably address this. Uh, but I can tell you, Christina, um, I learned that uh, going to a gas station, uh, the gas gauges uh, there are really uh, abused and uh, sometimes unreliable, so I just check my own air pressure on my tires. But uh, we'll send it over to Rick and let him explain a few things to you. Uh, number one thing I'd recommend, put your car on a diet. If you're carrying a lot of stuff around in the back seat of the trunk or the back of your vehicle, uh, stuff that you don't really need all need at that time, Take it out. Less weight in the car, less weight on the tires, less wear and tear. Keep your tire pressures where they're supposed to be and buy a good quality tire pressure gauge. So to check your tire pressures at least once a month, if not a little more often. And other than that, just try to avoid hard starts and hard stops and hard cornering. Gentle driving will make your tires last a whole lot longer. Thanks so much, Rick. Uh we're going to go to Dave in Lake Park. Uh, good morning, Dave. Hello, David. Yes, sir. How you doing? We're doing good. What's up? That's great. I, um, I'm from Lake Park, but I'm on a work trip out of state at the moment. And a friend of mine asked me a question. I told her I'd go to the expert and get back to her. She's got a Chevy Cobalt 2006, and she wants to sell it to a relative. She was wondering what the approximate value of that might be. Anything? Can you give me a rough idea? I'll get back to her. Yeah, we, we can Google that for you. There's there's a couple of companies out there buying cars directly. Uh, one of them is WeBuyAnyCar.com, just the way it sounds. Uh -huh. And uh, WeBuyAnyCar.com. And there's also, um, what's the other one? Uh, uh, Carvana. Uh, Carvana, yeah. Carvana. Carvana.com. So Carvana.com and WeBuyAnyCar.com are two places. Uh, uh, you can get a pretty good idea there. We actually check with those companies ourselves uh, when we're uh, buying cars or sometimes trading in cars. Uh, the other way is to take it to a dealer, the best way probably, take it to maybe three dealers of that make uh, vehicle, go yeah. to the used car department and say, I want to sell the car. What will you give me for it? I'm going to go to two other dealers and get their price, uh -huh. and that's the best way to get the best price. And that would be Chevy, of course, right? Yeah, go to Chevy Chevrolet. Don't let them think you're buying a used car or a new car. Just say, I've got too many yeah. cars in the family. I want to downsize. Give me your best price. Take it out. Drive it. Uh, give me your best yeah. cash price. And do it twice. And then you got CarMax uh, in Boynton. Uh, if you want to drive the car down there, they do this routinely. And um, they'll give you a price uh -huh. that's good for five days. And you can shop and compare it around. Then that gives you the exact market value of the car. Okay, well, I'm in Ohio. Is CarMax in Ohio, too, or just Florida? They're all over the United States. Uh, um, oh. Uh, Boynton, uh, in this area, there's probably three or four. We shop, mystery shop, to most of them in this area. But, yeah, they're all over the USA. Yeah. Gotcha. All right, well, thanks so much for your time, Mr. Stewart. Have a great day. Well, same to you. Thanks for calling. Thanks, okay. Dave. We're going to go to Marvin. Okay, Thank you. We're going to go to Marv in Loxahatchee. Good morning, Marv. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Uh, <clears throat> I have one for Rick. Um, my wife has a 2007 Honda Civic. 
and yesterday uh, the malfunction indicator lamp came on. I'm looking in the manual. It says that this indicator comes on while driving. It means one of the engine's emissions control systems may have a problem. Hmm. Even though you may feel no difference in your vehicle's performance, it can reduce your fuel economy and cause increased emissions. Continued operation may cause serious damage. Now, my wife drives this car very, very slightly. She doesn't drive it much at all. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, and our mechanic happens to be out of town. Um, and, and, and I was wondering if we could wait a couple of weeks before bringing it over to him. Well, the, the first, first question I have, did you recently fuel up uh, the tank? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It went on to say that too. It went on to say that check check the fuel cap, and uh, we 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 did we did check it, and we 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 tightened it, uh, and we heard a couple of clicks. So we know we know it's tight. Okay, so the fuel cap was on nice and tight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next thing I would do is if I would stop in at a local AutoZone or Discount Auto Parts, any good parts store, and just ask them to pull the trouble codes. They have a little scanner. They'll come out and they'll plug it in, and they'll tell you what that trouble code is. And if it's something like just a simple gas cap code, I would ignore it. I wouldn't worry about it at all. Odds are it might. It's going to be that. Uh, potentially, it could be one of the other sensors on the engine. But even then, you'll be just fine for a week or two until your tra- your mechanic gets back into town. I'm assuming this is someone that you trust really well. And you'll be just fine waiting until he gets back in to get that checked out and solved. But well, for peace of mind, AutoZone will pull that code and tell you what it is. I, I appreciate that we have a couple of weeks. I was very concerned about it. I, I, I'm surprised about the language Honda used. Would you, re- would you read that again? The part where they said something bad would happen if you didn't do something? Yeah. Well, it said at the end of the paragraph, it said, Continued operation may cause serious damage. Yeah, I'm, I'm really surprised at that. Uh, I, I agree with Rick, and I've never heard that language from a manufacturer before about a, uh, a, a sensor indicating an emissions problem. Uh, we yeah. know of no uh, emissions problem that can damage the car. Well, it, if it were a misfire in the engine, say a, a, the coil had gone bad or a spark plug had, had quit working and the car yeah. was misfiring, that could potentially cause damage to the catalytic converter by getting too much fuel in it or cause other parts to fail. But that's in a very rare case. I could tell you that the car is running fine as far as we, we, we're concerned. It's running no. fine. We don't see any problem with the running of the car. But the light is on. and it's, <laughs> You see that idiot light on, you know, you get scared. You don't know what it is. Right. That's a 2007 what? Honda Civic, Honda Civic, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna look into that because I, you know, we hear this all the time. One of the standard things we advise people when they call about emission problems is that fixing an emission problem is a matter of conscience on your part because you know you're polluting more and it's not good for our environment. But in terms of affecting the the cars from a safety or a I'm gonna damage my car kind of a thing, we've never yeah. heard this language. So I'm gonna investigate this thing with Honda and see what I can just, find out. But thank you very much. That's a very interesting call. Yeah, just to point something out to you, the paragraph goes on, if the indicator comes on repeatedly, even though it may turn off as you continue driving, mm-hmm. have the vehicle checked by your dealer as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. That's what it said. 
Well, uh, the, you should get it checked as soon as possible from an emission standpoint. But what bothers me is the implication that your your car is going to blow up and you're going to exactly. be looking. At, yeah, exactly. and I, exactly. I I think if if that's not true, I think a Honda uh, should have to answer for that because they're trying right. to scare you into having that emissions fixed yeah. uh, if, yeah. by the dealer. I don't I don't like that, but we want to investigate anyway. But thank you very much for that call. Right, and we give we thank you for the peace of mind you've given us. <laughs> have, have a good have, one. Have a wonderful day. You're you very welcome, Marv. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to thank all of you for tuning in to Earl Stewart on Cars. You're a very, very important part of the show. And uh, you can give us a call at 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And I believe Stu has some texts that he has to get to. Let's jump over to Rick, because I think he's got some piling up over there. Yeah, we do. Uh, From YouTube, Ernesto is asking, he has a 2014 Camry, and he's asking, when does the coolant need its first change and how often after the first change for engine coolant and toyota specifies 150,000 miles and every 50,000 after that for most of our cars now for engine coolant um let's see who we got that's next almost here? like never yeah, yeah 150,000 miles is is well actually on modern cars that's just a little past teenage getting to where the car's adult level <laughs> so yeah, because now the, these engines are lasting 200, 300,000 miles easily. So, you know, people are kicking their teenagers out of the house earlier and earlier. <laughs> true, very <Are> true. <laughs> Sometimes I want to. And, and he also, Ernesto also brought up a little issue where he says, whoop, and I just lost my page there. Uh, he has an 04 Mustang. He says back in 06, he saw an issue with the fuel causing a problem. And he said Ford was able to solve this under warranty for him. He said, but he wound up, they sent him a technical service bulletin recommending that he use either Chevron or Texaco fuels. And I'm kind of surprised by that, that they would specify a specific brand of fuel that they wanted him to use. But hey, sometimes car manufacturers like to say, this is what we want. But Well, you know, that's a... Yeah, it's amazing that we have back-to-back calls that uh, worry me a little bit about our uh, knowledge. And I, uh, I'm uh, this Honda thing, I'm going to have to investigate, but this thing here with Chevron and Texaco fuel, uh, we need to Google that and uh, do a deep dive as to why that was. I don't believe a manufacturer would recommend two specific oil companies, um, uh, gasoline uh, companies, without a reason. Uh, it could be that they... Uh, in cahoots. Uh, they own stock in their Chevron and in Texaco, but uh, that's I'm being facetious. But let's find out. That's, uh, that's certainly possible. Yeah, but I, I, there has to be a reason. It's either a good reason or a bad reason, but there is a reason, and we want to investigate that. And Donovan has pointed out that Mullinax Ford in Lake Park has no dealer fee, although I. Did they come up with a small one, or have they gotten rid of that again now? Uh, or? Well, they they said they had no dealer fee. We mystery shopped them, and they did have a dealer fee. Yes. And then we called Mullinex himself uh, in uh, northern Florida. We talked to him. Uh, he was a little uh, surprised by that. He talked to their general manager, who was also a partner. And I spoke to the general manager, who was a partner. And we had a conversation, which was never quite satisfying to me, that 
he accepted the fact that it was a dealer fee, and we told him we were going to mystery shop him again, and we dropped the ball. So we will go back and find out. But they were advertising that they had no dealer fee, and it was not true. They did have a dealer fee, albeit not a large one. It's uh, $53. It's yes. on, printed on their buyer's order, and it's called a dealer delivery fee. Yes. Mm. Dealer delivery fee, by any other name, is a dealer fee. A dealer fee is just additional profit to the dealer by adding to the price of the car, charging the customer for things that they should be paying for themselves, called profit. Yep. And Donovan also points out, off-lease only sells a lot of cars with major damage having been done to the car. And that we have found is true in the past yeah. that cars that have been in severe accidents and then repaired, you might find them on that off-lease only lot. So and you'll keep find, your eyes open. And you'll find that our mystery shopping report coming up very shortly, because uh, we did shop offleaseonly.com, that they fully disclose that yep. uh, to their customers. And they say, these cars have been in accidents. Yep. And we buy a lot of cars that have been in accidents, and you'll, you'll hear the rest of it. That's right. And the last one I have is from Patrick, and he's saying the Toyota RAV4 Hybrid versus gas models, properly maintained, which do you think has a better chance of longevity, 10 years plus? I would say uh, the hybrid. Uh, you've got the battery issue, which we all know that I think they're, they're guaranteed for 100,000 miles or eight years. six years. Eight years, 100,000 miles. Yeah. Yep. So uh, uh, in terms of the vehicle itself, the battery has to be replaced uh, at a certain point. And, of course, the gasoline model doesn't have a hybrid battery. So, I would pretty much agree with you on that. And, of course, the as the technology is getting better and better on these hybrid batteries, mm -hmm. they're going to be lasting a lot longer. Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. You all caught up, Rick? We are. Okay, great. Uh, we have a text here from Everett. And Everett uh, is referencing our earlier conversation about the RAV4 Transmission Technical Service Bulletin. Uh, good morning. Is the issue with the RAV4 Transmission something that toy dealers have to disclose to customers before purchase? The answer is no. Toy does, does not require them to disclose them. I, usually when there's a recall, they'll do a stop sale. Um, but this doesn't rise to that level. So, um, um, no, actually, it's not really being disclosed. I don't, well, like, I don't like that. I don't like it either. At, but yeah. at this point right now, Toyota doesn't really have a fix for it. Um, so I, I've been watching for this. Because that's what the, the, the disclosure would say, yeah, hey, listen, this car's got a problem, and yeah. we don't have a fix for it. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they're not requiring the dealers to do that, and they should. And it's just, a, yeah. just to, for, for full disclosure as to what we're actually talking about, um, in a 2019 RAV4, the four-cylinder, I know specifically, because that's what, I'm, what I have, my wife is driving it. If you're coming to a stop and you get almost to a dead stop, but then traffic starts moving and you step over and hit the gas pedal, it, the vehicle will actually jerk and shudder a little bit before it finds its gear. And it's almost like it's hunting for the gear and it'll shift a couple times before it gets in the proper gear to take off. And you'll, mm. you'll feel it actually sh shake and jerk the vehicle yeah. a bit. Mm. Okay, we have so, a quick I, Well, I, I can't help but say that we try to be transparent and equal, and we have to say Toyota is doing the wrong thing by doing that. It, you know, if, if you want to sell a car with a jerky transmission uh, and you're going to fix it later, that's good. You can't fix it now, that's good. That's okay. Just tell the customer mm -hmm. about it. And and uh, I'll ask you a, a question, Rick. Had you known that when you bought this car for your wife, 
would you have bought that model or a different model? Hmm. Be honest. I, total honesty, I, I think I probably would still have bought that okay. car because we yeah. had really researched them. Yeah. And I'm kind of, I'm, I'm throwing a bit of trust at Toyota, hoping that, yeah. yes, they'll come out with a fix very soon. Yeah. Because I've seen them fix other models. It, it takes a little bit of time sometimes till they get the proper programming. But once they know there's a problem, they do jump on it. They do try to get it as quickly as but possible. You, but you wish you'd known about that before you bought it, right? I do. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, my wife, when it had occurred to her several times, and the first time that happened that I was in the car, she actually got a little nervous thinking that I would get angry that it was her driving. Yeah. And I'm like, no, this is something with the car. And yeah. it so it... You know, I caught on pretty quickly that I knew it was a problem with the car and not with her driving. But Okay, still we got some more text? Yes, we do. Uh, we have a question from Steve who's watching us on live Facebook video. Uh, Steve wants to know, do the code readers from Harbor Freight, do they work? Are you familiar with those? Uh, actually, I let's see. I, I've got a little generic one that I purchased at like AutoZone or something. But, yeah, you can, if, it, if you get it from Harbor Freight, because all it really is is just reading the information. So it's not going to hurt your car to plug it into. Plug in and test it. If it doesn't work, tell them you want your money back. But yeah, odds are they will work just fine. All right. Thanks, Rick. Uh, we have one. There's no name on this one. It came in on our text line. It says, it's funny the way trends in technology converge to points where seemingly unrelated systems suddenly become symbiotic. Consider the explosion in vehicle infotainment systems. While this trend steadily makes vehicles less safe, a parallel trend in autonomous vehicles is getting to the point where it will mitigate and then eliminate the danger posed by distracting infotainment communication systems. Crazy how things work out that way. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. A very intellectual, intelligent exactly. question there. We have a very varied audience. I like that. Yeah, um, that's, that's great. Yeah. That's autonomous is the name of the game, and it eliminates everything we're talking about on this show now. No more problems once you have that totally all-electric autonomous car. And as long as you don't like to drive cars, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. We have one last text, and it's a quick answer, and then we could probably get to the mystery shopping report. Good morning, Earl. When do you expect the new Toyota Supra will come out, and what will be the expected price range? Hmm. It's out, and anywhere from $58,000 to $300,000. Yeah, we sold one. <laughs> we sold one for 58000 and the other dealer, well, that was the sticker price. Yeah. And we, uh, we sold it to the uh, restaurant owner at uh, Cotton Caper. That's right. In uh, North Palm Beach. And he says he loves it. He, he paid sticker. We made $4,000 approximately on the car. 58000 sticker price. That's right. And we wholly endorse Cotton Caper's in North Palm Beach for a delicious seafood yeah. meal. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I wanted to bring to your attention Earl's uh, column in the Florida Weekly. Uh, that is the top 10 car ad scams. And also in the uh, hometown news, car dealers make more money financing your car than selling it. And if you didn't pick up those issues, you can go to earloncars.com and you can find those uh, columns and so much more. Also, uh, I wanted to let you know our lines are... Uh, well, we're, we're not taking any more calls right now. We're going to address this mystery shopping report. And the mystery sh shopping report comes to us from Offlease. Well, Offlease only in West Palm Beach. Now back to the recovering car dealer. Now, Rick just handed me this device. Where did you buy this? This is from, I believe, AutoZone or Pep Boys. And I think this one was around $30. Yeah. 
Um, and it, you can see the little plug. There's a, a connector under the dash on every car. Mm-hmm. It's identical on all modern cars since about 2000. Actually, I think about 97 even. And you simply plug that in and the little tool will light up and it will just say, read the code. You just push that and it will come up with a code and you can Google that code and it will tell you what your engine is seeing. And from there, you can solve a lot of your problems with your car. Save yourself a lot of money. Save yourself a lot of money. Exactly. Absolutely. I got an idea real quick. Why don't you take that with you when you go to the dealership and say, no, use this. Yeah. Don't charge me. That's a, that's a great idea. Uh, we're gonna. I'd, I'd like to know, let you know about the USA Today in the money section. Uh, it's the weekender. Uh, Earl and I were both looking at this, and here are the 20 most stolen new cars. So take a look at that. It's uh, very interesting. Okay, new car thieves. Uh, t- take a look at that, too, because apparently these are the ones that are easiest to steal. Okay, mystery shopping report. Uh <laughs> Mystery shop of off-lease only in West Palm Beach. Takata test. Last Saturday, we received a question from a listener in Cambridge, Massachusetts through our anonymous feedback website, youranonymousfeedback.com. The listener pointed out that it had been over a year since we mystery shopped off-lease only, the chain of used car superstores here in Florida. I suggested we send an agent, Thunder, uh, to check them out. Ask and ye shall receive. We dispatched Agent Thunder yesterday to the West Palm Beach location of off-lease only before getting into the report a little history. Earl Store on Cars is mystery shop off-lease only maybe a half dozen times, but we've had mixed results. Currently, they hold the coveted spot on our recommended list. We have gooddealerbaddealerlist.com. We recommend folks, dealers you can deal with but you still have to be careful. And then we have the ones that you don't deal with. Don't even try to be careful on those. And awfully certainly has been on our coveted spot recently. Uh, um, I've repeatedly endorsed them as a great place to buy a used car. However, I have also advised caution when shopping in awfully only because the type of vehicles they purchase for resale. Now, when a car has been wrecked, it's devalued. People don't want to buy a car that's been wrecked, even though it's been fixed just fine. Sometimes when a car's been wrecked, it's been wrecked too bad, and it's not even safe, and you shouldn't even buy one. Off-lease only says that they only sell the ones that that are safe to drive. But in full fairness, they do disclose that fact, and that is essentially what you have to be aware of. However, if you buy a car that's been in a wreck, say a, a big one, several thousand dollars, and it's been fixed and it literally looks good, cosmetically it's just fine, and you believe it's safe, when you go to trade that car in, it will be worth significantly less. They call that diminished value, and that's an, another show that you need to talk to insurance companies about and maybe your lawyer. So it's a, it's a little bit of a dangerous thing when you buy a car that's been in a significant wreck. But the reason it's okay, they say, off-lease, because they sell cars for less, and they do. They sell cars for less, and we do recommend them. I've also advised caution because they failed a couple of Takata tests uh, we subjected them to in the past. Because of this, incidentally, a minor legal matter arose between me and off-lease only, and they basically sent me a cease and desist letter which is a threatened to sue, and we wrote them back, our attorney wrote them back and said, 
we told the truth, that uh, this was a case, that your salesperson did not disclose the Takata airbag, and I'm not going to cease and desist, desist, I mean, from telling the truth. So, once again, we maintain our perfect record, knock on wood, after 15 years of never being sued. Being threatened, but we haven't been sued yet. So you folks out there that think we're not telling the truth, you can make a lot of money if you sue us. They tried us on. Yeah, try us on. Uh, at any rate, that was four months ago, and we've not been sued by all police only. So this week, in the spirit of our renewed focus on the Takata airbag issue crisis, uh, we went back, uh, and we were prompted by a, a loyal listener uh, to return, and we have done this. It wasn't hard to find our target vehicle, 2017 Mercedes-Benz E-Class AMG Coupe, with a no-fix Takata airbag recall. I repeat, no-fix. Inflator, a device that goes into the dash or wherever, that uh, in the event of an accident, the inflator blows the airbag up. And these inflators are in short supply, and they can't build them fast enough. And a lot of Takata airbag recalls, they don't have inflators. So that's a no-fix situation. And if you buy one of these cars, you know, you're just out of luck. You either park it and don't drive it, or you risk your life and drive it until the inflator becomes available. I arrived around, I'm going into the off-lease only now. I arrived around lunchtime uh, to a very busy dealership. They are busy. They sell a lot of cars. Largest uh, retailer of used cars in Florida, maybe second only to CarMax. Oh, yeah. I mean, in our area, um, I know that the local off-lease only outsells CarMax. They yeah. sell over 1,000 used yeah. cars a month. And if you look at the nameplates at the back of these cars on the road, you see a lot of off-lease only. They're a very big factor in our market. I was quickly greeted by Javon or Javon? I think Javon. Javon. I was quickly greeted by Javon, J-A-V-O-N, a polite, very young salesperson. Javon shook my hand, said he would be assisting me today. He led me over to a cluster of computers that were currently being used by other salespeople with customers. We waited for one to become available. Uh, that is busy. I can see this. You know, wow. We talked a little while we waited. Javon asked me, uh, told me he was a brand new to the business and had only been off lease a very short time. A computer became available. We claimed it. Javon asked me for my vital statistics and I typed my answers on his keyboard. Oh, he actually, had, actually uh, had me. Mm-mm. Oh, he yeah, did. He, he typed, typed it on. Yep. I told him about the Mercedes I saw online, and he pulled it up on the computer screen. Um, Javon went on to describe the off-lease-only process. The price was a price. There was no negotiation. That's refreshing, really. I mean, who likes to haggle and hassle? Some people do. Some people. And uh, Javon explained they do buy vehicles for resale with accidents, but all of them are fully repaired and safe prior to sale. Now that's, uh, I don't think they used to do that, but now they do, because there's a lot of conversation yeah. about them buying these wrecked cars. They owned it. They, yeah. they stood up to the they plate did. and they owned it. They stood up to it. He said they do not sell flood cars or cars with major issues. <laughs> now major issue is a relative term. Pretty vague. Yeah, pretty vague. And you'll see why we're worried about that later in the report. 
He also explained they sell them as they get them, meaning that if there is a scratch or damage to a leather interior, they won't fix it. If they get a car with only one key, that's the way it is. In other words, everything is sold as is. And that is a very common car term. As is means what you see is what you get. And the disclosure is refreshing. Yeah. And if every off-lease salesperson, or if every car salesperson did what Javon did, that would be a great thing for car buyers everywhere. They don't do that, but Javon did. So far, they're doing great. So far, it looks real good. But stay tuned. Javon said the benefits of all this means that their cars are cheaper than anyone else's. And that's why they sell more cars than anyone else. Another true statement. Almost true. Well, CarMax does sell more cars, but not in this market. Mm -hmm. Then he asked me if I was comfortable with all of that. Boy, this really sounds professional. I said I was, and I said, let's get started. Javon said that before looking at the Mercedes, we would review the Carfax report. Everything really looks good. This is when, like, low, ominous music should start yeah. playing. Yeah. You exactly. hear me, Rudy? Exactly. <laughs> right away, he pointed out the accident that appeared on the first page of the report. That's good. Look at this. An accident. He said there had been one with just minor damage. Now we get into verbiage here. That it had been completely repaired. Note the Carfax report did not specifically indicate minor damage. Javon said minor, but not the Carfax report. The Carfax report indicated the vehicle was functional and airbags did not deploy. Estimated the cost of the damage was in excess of $1,000. Now one could argue that if the damage was in excess of $1,000, it might not be considered minor. But that's again, uh, you know, of, a judgment. Furthermore, the summary section of the report indicated structural, yep. now I worry a little bit, structural damage. Right, like the right, sound, right, right on the Carfax report. Exactly. Javon moved on and commented about the service history, emphasizing that the previous owner took good care of it. As he read, I noticed the recall on the Carfax. I noticed it, but remained silent. Javon finished and said, it was time to see the car. I asked him if that was it. Were there any other issues? No. We give Javon another chance. Javon said, no. I wanted to give him another chance and ask him, so nothing? No recalls. Specifically asked about recalls. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I debriefed Agent Thunder. I'm like, wait, you asked about recalls? And he says, yeah, yeah. and it was yeah. right in front of you. And, yeah. and there, Javon saw it. I, as a shopper, saw it. Asked him twice. And Javon said, no recalls. This is really bad. You know, it's really sad. I gave him every opportunity to catch what was obviously missing, but he clearly said there were no recalls. John asked me to wait. He said he'd get the car for me, and after maybe five minutes, he returned, led me outside, gave me a great presentation of the features and benefits, and we took it for a test drive. On the drive, he told me a little bit about life at off-lease only. He said he enjoyed it, but it was tough. And the hours were long. He said there was a lot of salesperson turnover. And we hear that in most car dealerships. He said that he'd only been there a short while, but was already feeling a little burned out. That's a term we hear, hear often at car dealerships. I sympathized with him and told him to hang in there. 
I asked if it was okay uh, if we could get the numbers right away, and I'd be back this afternoon to buy the car. Javon said that was okay, but he couldn't hold the car, and they don't. I said it would only be a half an hour or an hour or so, and Javon said that shouldn't be a problem, and the car would probably still be there. Back at the store, we went inside, and Javon asked me to wait for him to get my purchase order. He came back in a few minutes and had me the buyer's order, which, by the way, was not really a buyer's order. It was a worksheet. worksheet. Big difference. Buyer's order is a legal document. A worksheet is a worksheet. Selling tool. On purpose, they do not want it to be legal. By the way, the price uh, was just like Javon said, but they added a $299 pre-delivery service charge and a $79 tag agency fee. And these are other names for dealer fees, the generic term, which is additional profit. So CarMax does add additional profit after the quoted price. Off-lease only. Off-lease only, I'm sorry. But so does CarMax. I got off-lease. Yeah. They all do it. Yeah, they all do it. Uh, uh, CarMax didn't used to, and then they went back and did it. Off-lease only does it. And that's a violation of state law, by the way, because the advertised price must include the dealer fees, and they didn't. They're two small dealer fees, albeit $378. Uh, epilogue, they failed, and it's very sad. And as I go through the mystery shopping documentation, I look at all three of the tests that prove that they do have an open recall that's unfixable. The Carfax report clearly states that, and I can show that to the camera there. And then we go to the next page, which I believe is the NHTSA, uh, which clearly says, no, this is Mercedes-Benz website, says remedy not available, airbag recall. And of course, then there is the NHTSA, which is safercar.gov. And it says here that the recall is there and it's not fixable. So this car, Carfax, this off-lease only car salesperson, I have to say deliberately misrepresented this car as being safe, as having no recalls, and in fact it has a recall, and the worst part is you can't fix it. He would have sold this Mercedes to me as a shopper, and I would have, in good faith thinking he was telling me the truth, driven it off the lot. So, uh, off-lease only attorneys, off-lease only, if you want to sue me, Let's go. I'm telling you that you did something terrible, something dangerous, you misrepresented, you lied to a potential buyer you thought was a potential buyer. Sue me. Yeah, and, and this was a, a much more egregious yeah. incident yeah. than last time. And we pushed. We pushed, and we did everything possible to get Javon, Javon Jones, last name, in full disclosure, and off-lease only in full disclosure, lied to a customer, tried to get him to buy a dangerous car that could kill him, and you are a very large retailer, and I would have to speculate that if it happened once with Javon Jones and the mystery shopper on the Mercedes-Benz, it has happened before and will happen again. Is it true that off-lease only is looking to go public? I've heard the rumor. I don't know. I've heard that they were possibly for sale, and I heard that they were going public. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a moneymaker. 
they sell a lot of cars. And that's another thing that makes it scary, because when a large retailer does something this bad, you wonder uh, how many of these cars are being delivered. Correct. Yeah. So we got some grades coming in. We do. From let's, listeners. Yeah, we've got quite one. a few. We have, uh, so we have a no name. He gives them an F. Another no name, a D. Sandy gives them an F. Linda, hi, Linda, gives them a huge F and a shame on you. Uh, Gil gives them an F. Mary D gives them a D. <laughs> and Doug uh, and, and Ollie gives them two Fs. Two Fs. F and F. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Uh, how about uh, our online over here for you, Rick? Uh, Frank says, F for the salesperson and, more importantly, the dealership for even putting this car up for sale. Yeah. And Mr. Hand says, count is full, pitcher winds up, fastball to off lease, only strike three, you're out, <laughs> you bums. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, it's a black and white issue. Uh, uh, let's go around the... the uh, staff here okay uh you know maybe you think it might be helpful if we just pass all these uh, mystery shop reports on to the attorney general ashley moody uh at any rate it's kind of a rhetoric question uh guys uh, don't forget uh, earl did a column deaths from dangerous recalls are the fault of the legislators yeah. so read that and uh, i give them an f Stuart? I gotta concur. I mean, I, I mean, everything was going so good with the disclosure on the accident, yeah. even though it was a little iffy. But it was really good. And then, boom! And listen, when I was talking to Agent Thunder about you know, was he being deceptive, and Agent Thunder's got a big heart, and 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 I, and I do too. Um, he thinks that Javen just didn't know how to read the Carfax report. I think he was trained well on the whole accident disclosure thing, mm -hmm. and it, he he said he kind of looked like he was fumbling through. So, benefit of the doubt. I just think it was more poor training and ignorance on Javen's part, but they, they got to do better than that. Back when they wrote that letter, the attorneys, th their argument was, well, we gave a Carfax report or we had a Carfax report online, that's a disclosure. And, and we say, no, that is not a disclosure. Mm -hmm. It's a confusing document to a lot of people. Yeah. And if it's just handed across a desk, it's not gonna, it doesn't emphasize the danger that the, that the consumer is going to face. Exactly. And whether Javon was being honest or not, uh, the fault lies with the fault lies with the uh, company, and you, it is your responsibility, especially in a life and death issue, to train your people. They should have the maturity and the training to know to tell someone that yeah. they're buying a car that can kill them. And uh, it goes higher than that. How about the used car manager? How about the general manager? Uh, when you put that car in your lot before it was deemed safe for sale. You should have not put that car on your lot. If the car had a fixable recall, then you can make an argument about disclosure. And it's not a good argument, but it's some argument to say, okay, we uh, disclosed in writing that this car had a recall and you should take it to the Mercedes dealer to get it fixed. But this car did not have a fix. Right. So you bought the car, you can't take it to the Mercedes dealer. There is no disclosure you could have possibly made that would have made anybody buy that car. Nobody would have bought that car knowing the car could not be fixed and it could kill them by driving it. Nancy? Two minutes. Yeah, you can't be careless okay. with this. Everybody uh, fails them, right? Mark and Ernesto both agree F and F and myself, I, I got to go with the F. Yeah, we're almost out of time. And I just want to say to the legislators listening, the lawyers listening, are you hearing what we're saying here? 
someone get excited about this, will you? Uh, Governor DeSanti of the state of Florida, uh, uh, Attorney General of the state of Florida, the regulators. Folks, this is going on right now. Uh, I know uh, all you care about is getting elected and getting reelected, but uh, think about the lives of the Florida citizens that are buying these cars. And this is real life. This really happened. And Offleys only won't sue me because I told the truth. So there's some responsible people out there, politicians, legislators, regulators. Do something about it, will you? Help us out, please. Help us save lives. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to Earl Stewart on Cars. We're at the end of our show, and we truly appreciate you and your dedication to us. We'll see you next week.